Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon and joining me as always, former NFL and college QB founder of the Sims Complete QB and also one of the hosts of Sims Complete on the Believe Network, Matthew Sims. Also joining us as always, Ryan Roberts, Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst. Today we have our top three performers from week seven of college football. The guys that we're going to be talking about, Ollie Gordon running back from Oklahoma State, Xavier Watts from Notre Dame, and of course, Roma Dunze from Washington. I'm going to start us off, guys, with Xavier Watts. I mean, if we have a Notre Dame guy on here, we got to talk about him first. <laughs> and we've got a first-hand guy who can provide us some really good context on this player. In this game against USC, in a beatdown, I'm going to take the victory lap. Absolutely, we'll take that victory lap for the win over USC. He ends up having seven tackles, one forced fumble, one fumble return touchdown, two interceptions, and a pass defense, which is one of the most insane defensive stat lines probably of the entire season. Ryan, yeah. what do you got for us? Well, I mean, Xavier Watts has been playing some really quality football over the last four to five games. A little bit of a slow start this year, but he's really gotten off and then obviously had his best game against USC. I mean, that game against USC – you hold that offense that was averaging over 50 points per game to only 20 points in that football game. Also, you force Caleb Williams into three interceptions. That was only his second multi-interception game of his career. The only time he's ever thrown three interceptions in a game. The only other uh, time he's through multi, he threw two against Baylor when he was a true freshman at Oklahoma. So the guy doesn't turn the ball over. I think he had like yeah. 10 interceptions coming into that football game. On, on over 800 pass attempts. Like, he does not throw many interceptions, which is why it was such a odd game and just such a great performance by Al Golden, that defensive staff. But when we're talking about Xavier Watts, remarkable backstory, man. One, he's an Omaha, Nebraska guy, was a three-star recruit, so a little bit of a lighter recruited kid. Notre Dame obviously wanted him, but initially played wide receiver. He was a guy that Notre Dame wanted to come to play wide receiver. And in the last four years, because now he's a senior on the field, Richard Jr., you know, blah, blah, blah. Last four years, though, he has gone from wide receiver to rover, which four two five. That's the that's their overhang position, back to wide receiver, to safety, back to wide receiver, and now he's finally settled into safety, guys. This is his first season <laughs> of playing one position, and lo and behold, he's playing really good football, man, because he's a really good athlete. Obviously, Notre Dame had kind of been toying with what is the best and most beneficial spots to their roster for Xavier Watts to play in. He has settled in safety. He has another year of eligibility if he chooses to use it after this year. But Xavier Watts is playing some really good football for Notre Dame, a big reason why Notre Dame was able to dismantle USC 48-20 to on Saturday. The first thing that jumps out when you watch Xavier Watts, I mean, and, and also Ryan, just that's an amazing story and, and, and credit to Xavier too for just, you know, we know how difficult it is for these young men, right? To kind of find that that place that that's home for them to be successful, you know, so credit to himself, you know, per persevering through that to the coaching staff too, for trying to find him that placement, you know, in that defense or offense. Um, but with Xavier Watts, 
played nickel, played linebacker, played safety. I mean, the dude played every single position on the field in the game, man coverage, zone coverage, uh, you know, attacking the football while he's tackling uh, ball carriers in the run game, you know, getting in the mix there in the trenches and then playing great in space. And it, it just was an unbelievable performance. It's it's one of the all time defensive performance. I feel like in just like the history of college football, it has to be, especially in just right. I mean, like the the stage was set, it was perfect. And Xavier Watts, I mean, even the fumble recovery for the touchdown, it, it's just a credit to him and actually just hustling to the ball, you know. And that was no like real talent needed there, other than the fact that the dude just hustled to the play and was there to to be a part of a gang tackle with his team, teammate. So Xavier Watts, high football IQ. You can see that, too, with the versatility that he displayed as far as where he plays on the field. Played extremely hard the entire game. Um, so unbelievable performance, and it was really a, a pleasure to watch. Yeah, no, and, and, and it was obviously a, a performance that wasn't expected. I mean, Matt, literally I talked about it all week of if, if Caleb Williams was going to make a mistake or make a bad read – you had to capitalize on it because he doesn't do it very often. And then we see in that football game, he put the ball in some bad situations and some precarious yep. spots uh, multiple mm. times in that football game. So, I, again, I give all the credit for this win because Notre Dame's offense was better than it was the previous two weeks, but it still wasn't great. This was a game that was won by Al Golden and that defensive staff. Very, They really toyed with the eyes of Caleb Williams, gave him multiple looks, gave him multiple pressure looks, and even some simulated pressure in that football game as well. So Xavier Watts and that defense certainly had a a great game. And you could have included J.D. Bertrands at linebacker who had a monster game. You could have included Javante Jean-Baptiste. You could have included Cam Hart who had a really good football game at corner. Cam Hart played great. Cross played great on the defensive line. And and that's what's great, too. That's what you expect from guys like Xavier Watts when everyone else is playing great team defense for guys like Xavier Watts and everyone else to just run to the football and make those extra special football plays. So you're absolutely right, too. I mean, Al Golden, who kind of gets overlooked in this situation, phenomenal performance and game plan by him because they Mm -hmm. really did make uh, USC look very elementary as far as their offensive attack. Well, that's the see. That's the funniest part about all this. One of the things that I've heard on a number of different shows, and I actually kind of agree with it. USC so far this season hadn't really been challenged by anybody defensively, so we saw a lot of these games. And also, for to be blatantly honest, not a lot of people have been watching USC because they haven't played anybody. And if you actually watch the games and you go see what they're doing, it feels like there's been a regression in the play calling in a way. It seems like a lot of the decision making is. Let's just see if Caleb can find somebody after running around for a few seconds. And Al Golden said we're not and doing that. He has that for the shit. most part, though. He has for the most part <laughs> well, this season. He but, has. And you right. know what's unfortunate, too, for him and as far as his development as a quarterback is that he's been getting away with it. And when you get away with those type of things, you develop bad habits. And this was the one time where those habits were going to work against him. This was the one game where it was like, hey, go through your progression, make the proper decision, and get rid of the football as quickly as you can. You're not going to be able to extend plays the way that he has been. So that was just, uh, I feel like, uh, a culmination of things at one time coming together that really played into the effect of why he played so poorly. Absolutely. And I'm sure that there's going to be some – Recovery for Caleb Williams. The guy is a phenomenal football player, but got to give some credit to the defensive players on that Notre Dame Definitely. defense. We, of course, have offensive players to talk about. Now, 
Ryan quickly indicated to me that we forgot to include the Stanford wide receiver who went for over 300 yards. But I, I, I get that. It was a nice game against Colorado. It is what it is. I really want to talk about Roma Dunze from Washington because it Roma is what Dunze, it is. <laughs> I, look, it's a great, it's an amazing performance. 13 receptions for 295 yards and three touchdowns. That game winner in overtime. What's his name? Joe. What's his name? His name is Alec Ayominor. Ayominor. That is an amazing performance, but I really want to talk about Roma Dunze. And I know that maybe we'll have another opportunity to talk (laughs) about him, but this was arguably probably the most important game of the season. This game is going to significantly impact what happens in the Pac-12 championship game. And I'm talking about Washington, Oregon, and what happens in the college football playoff, because this could keep a Pac-12 team out of getting in if these two teams play each other again. And Oregon beats Washington, and each each team then has a loss. But what we got in this game, Michael Penix did make a few mistakes, but I think what really shined is even when Michael Penix does throw those interceptions and maybe isn't that elite perfect player that sometimes we think he is, he is able to be supported by his elite receivers. And Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk, both of those guys had really good games, but particularly at Dunze, we were really reminded – why this guy as a jump ball threat, as a big body target, is going to be a first-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. I I think at this point, it's a foregone conclusion. He has been phenomenal so far this season, and he really checks every single box that you're looking for in a receiver prospect. Matt, I want to go to you first on this one. Where to begin? Uh, I I said to Ryan in our little group chat that I really do think that Roma Dunze is the best receiver in the country this year. I I really do. I give him a slight nod over Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, But I honestly would say that Luther Burden isn't that far from the top either in what I've seen from him and Malik Neighbors. Um, So it's an unbelievable class of receivers, and what they're doing is extremely impressive. To focus on Roma Dunze, though, uh, besides slipping on his one route that led to one of Michael Penix's interceptions, the dude played phenomenally well. His physicality and size are legit. He doesn't look extremely big on the football field, you know, but when you see his measurables at 6'2 and he's 210 pounds, you know, it, it's just very clear just that he covers ground very easily. He's a very good route runner. He's extremely clean. I think the dude has tremendous awareness as far as where he is on the field and the defenders that surround him in certain situations as far as the play design. And you know, he does a great job of being able to catch the football and to make more out of it. We don't see it. We didn't see it a ton against Oregon, but we've seen it a ton this season. And then the ability to pirouette the way that he did on that back shoulder fade to really ultimately win the football game. You know, that was just so he made it look so easy. It, It was borderline kind of crazy. I mean, it really was. I mean, just the fact that he was able to be running full speed, gauge the fact that the football was just uh, an absolute missile to his back shoulder, turn as cleanly as he did, and to catch it as cleanly as he did. It just shows you that this dude really is different. He really is kind of the modern NFL receiver and what you look for. It's not because this offense is gadget, you know, like the Tennessee offense or anything like that. This guy's running real NFL Mm. concepts, and he's making it look easy. And uh, I was just extremely impressed with Roma Dunze and his physical nature on the football field and his ability to make it look easy. I was trying to look up as you were talking, Matt, because he was he was featured in Feldman's Freak article, obviously on The Athletic by Bruce Feldman this, this season, and I couldn't right. find it. But I remember it was something in the ballpark of high 4-3s in the 40, 
testing numbers, 40 plus inch vertical. I mean, so the kid's a freak show. And we actually have verified measurables on him. He is 6'2 and 7 eighths and 217 pounds. At least he was in this spring. So this is a big kid, man. That's a yeah. big dude. That's a big receiver. That's a really big receiver that can absolutely fly and has the ability, obviously, to levitate in the air, it seems like at times. Like he just kind of floats yeah. there a little bit. I mean, he can pluck the football, he can run by dudes. There's really not a massive hole. I mean, there's an attention to detail stuff that he needs to keep figuring out because, I mean, all wide receivers do, right? Like your routes can always be a little bit crisper, attack blind spots a little bit more efficiently. But the kid from a height, weight, speed perspective, he's insane. Absolutely insane. Obviously, he showed that off in this game. He is a legitimate first-round player, to your point, Joe. And I think that what we miss from this passing offense is because Michael Penix and Bo Nix, for that matter, were both really good this past weekend. Michael Penix in that passing offense threw for right around 400 yards on the day, and they were without their second-best receiver, in my opinion, Jalen McMillan in that football game. He didn't even play. So guys like Jalen Polk had to step up. Giles Jackson, who's a former Michigan transfer, had to step up in this football game as well. And Roma Dunze, of course, had to be the guy down the stretch and in some of the big moments of the game. So, yeah, man, he put on a performance. Kalen DeBoer, I just want to give massive shout-out to him. Him and Ryan Grubb, who's the offensive coordinator at Washington, Yeah, they fell into a situation where there was a lot of talent already there at wide receiver, right? You already had Roma Dunze there. You already had Jalen McMillan there. But before they got there, they were good football players, but they weren't developed. And they have now taken them from good talent to great football players in just the two years that they've been on campus now. So Roma Dunze is a perfect example of when talent and progression meet together and development meet together and we're seeing the final product of him being a fantastic football player. Former Bishop Gorman player, by the way. One of the oh. pipeline of Las Vegas. So There you there go. You go. They, those guys know how to find receivers, too. <laughs> was he there with Dorian Thompson-Robinson when he was there? I, wonder I if believe he was. I, I think he may have been like a sophomore Dorian's last hmm. year. Or maybe a, his last. Yeah, I think it was a sophomore his last year. While Jordan That's was crazy. Well, That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, amount, amount of guys that come out of that program now, but you hit the nail on the head there. This this offense is just it's unbelievable to watch the things that they're yeah. able to do. And I, for some reason, this week there was a level of doubt coming in on if Washington was going to beat Oregon. And I think that one of the biggest misconceptions maybe in college football is that if you've got three NFL receivers, which is very rare, there are not a lot of teams, even Georgia doesn't have three NFL guys right now that are ready to go on to the upcoming draft and be selected highly. It's really freaking hard to stop. You might have other holes on your roster. You might have other issues. But when you have NFL guys on your team, it, it is really, really hard for any team to go up against, even a yeah. team like Oregon that is pretty defensively sound. Not the same example, but like when I was playing in college, we had two guys that got NFL opportunities. Obviously, Rhode Island is not Washington. But at the FCS level, when you have two NFL guys going up against the CAA, it leads to really good things offensively. So I think that this Washington team is is just going to continue to succeed. Maybe they're not perfect defensively, but Adunze and the rest of that group are pretty good proof that they're going to be dominant. I mean, I thought and they played actually pretty good defense. I think Bo Nix yeah, really yeah. just kind of showed us why we really do need to reconsider him as one of the the better quarterback prospects for this coming year, and and to to let him uh, to relieve him of the burden of being the Auburn Tigers quarterback for such a long time and and holding that grudge against him unnecessarily. 
The one thing I want to add really quickly about Washington's scenario, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good that they actually ran the ball a little bit more with Dylan Johnson and were patient in the run game. I think yeah. that will serve tremendous benefits for them as the year continues to go on, not being so one-dimensional. Dylan Johnson's a great story as well. He ran for over 100 yards in that game. He was actually at Mississippi State. He was, I don't want to say stuck in the Mike Leach air raid offense, but like he didn't run the yeah. football as much, obviously, because of the pass responsibilities that running backs have. So six foot, 220 pounds, he's certainly showing out. And I really wanted to send a quick shout out, Joe, before we get into our last player. You mentioned the wide receivers, the NFL wide receivers that Washington has on their team. They also have two stud offensive tackles that are playing yes, in this football yeah. game as well. Roger Rosengarten at right tackle is a really good football player. And Troy Fontana, who is a senior bowl guy, is probably going to be a senior bowl guy this year. Probably going to be a transition guy that's going to work inside more on the NFL level. But that kid is a legit top 64 mm-hmm. pick in April, in my opinion. So, yeah, Dan, they got they got a lot of talent on that team, both offensively and defensively, which is why Washington's going to be a tough team to beat down the stretch. And maybe this year's uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Gets bumped inside, ends up being a really good guard. Yep. Uh, last guy that we have is one that Ryan was very excited to talk mm-hmm. about. Sent a very early Sunday morning text message and said, we have to talk about Ollie Gordon, the Oklahoma yep. State running back. Big kid, six foot one, 215. And against Kansas this past week, he goes for 29 carries, 168 yards, a single touchdown. But he also had six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. So my man went over 200 total yards, 250 total yards of offense, had a ton of touches, two touchdowns, took over. And it seems like since a really slow start for Oklahoma State, they've been riding the hot hand, they've been riding Ollie Gordon, and they have started to pick up some momentum. And I know that, Ryan, you've definitely got a little bit of a, a background on him, If if unless you don't, but you maybe got some info here for for Uncle. Gordon. <laughs> I know, I, I, yeah, what am I talking? What am I talking about here? You definitely have information on Ollie Gordon. Definitely, redshirt red sophomore. I th- I believe he was from Canada yeah. originally, so he's got a little bit of a backstory there, right? But redshirt freshman last year played a good amount. But coming into this year, I think there were still some question marks as far as who their number one running back was going to be. I mean, we talked before the show, Joe, and they have like Elijah Collins, that was a former Michigan State running back, and they got a couple guys that kind of have rotated in early on. But the last three games, man, it has been the Ollie Gordon show. I mean, he's run for – I had it up here somewhere. Let me see if I can get back to it. I can't. But he he has run for over 100 yards in three straight football games, including obviously the 160-plus he ran for Kansas this past week. And the craziest part was it was actually the receiving numbers. I mean, he had six catches for 116 mm-hmm. yards. Matt, how many catches do you think that Ollie Gordon had coming into this game before having six for 116? Ooh, uh, three. <laughs> yeah, he had nine, but still, yeah, okay, I mean, all right, all right. Right. I wasn't that far off. There. Yeah, <laughs> single digit. So he had nine receptions all of the year to for uh for on the season, and then he comes to this game has six for one sixteen. His previous high this year in receiving in a game was two receptions for twenty three yards. It's the best outing he had as far as yardage. <laughs> that was the best one. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to throw Ollie Gordon the football and let him be our most dynamic receiver and runner. So if you haven't gotten eyes on number zero, we also have two number zeros on the list, by the way. Xavier Watts is zero, and so is Ollie Gordon. Just a little weird huh. one there. Get your eyes on Oklahoma State. <laughs> Passing attack is very inconsistent with Alan Bowman at quarterback, but Ollie Gordon is making it work right now for Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, that is just, you know, his performance ridiculous. I mean, it, it really is, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of David Johnson for whatever reason, a guy that maybe is, 
running super fast or it doesn't look like he's running super fast, but dude's outrunning people all the same and, and doing a great job of being physical. And it, you could see as a guy that read his run keys extremely well, did a great job of catching and getting vertical multiple times in the game. The one touchdown that he had in receiving, he was wide open in the flat. So just a great job of, uh, of making a play when it was actually there to be had. But all the other ones were, were typical checkdowns or screens over the middle where he did a great job of just manipulating blockers, uh, taking advantage of seeing two defenders and splitting them, getting vertical, and getting yeah. tough football yards consistently throughout the game. And, and that's what you want from a running back. You just want that solid performance of making sure that he's always getting positive yards. Ollie Gordon absolutely did that against Kansas this week, played physical, and, and really didn't shy away from contact on a lot of his runs. So the physical nature of his run game and then his few longer runs that he had to be in an explosive nature, I think were just that that great punch that Oklahoma State needed to beat Kansas this week. Joe, they were saving him for whatever reason, man. We started, we started talking about this before the show, but the first three games of the year, Seven carries, nine carries, no. and three carries is all that he had in the first three games. Last three against Iowa State, 18 carries for 121 yards. Kansas State, 21 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. This past week, 29 carries for 168 yards and a touchdown. At this rate, by the end of the year, he's going to be carrying the ball 40-plus times because it is just going up and oh up God, and up yeah. each and every week. So fantastic stretch that Ollie Gordon is having for Oklahoma State, a team that, to your point – was struggling to begin the year. I mean, there were some they people were. that were. Yeah. I mean, there was, after like three or four games, people were talking about like, man, is this it for Mike, Mike Gundy? Like, is this is this nearing the end? Because they were playing bad football. And then all of a sudden, they now have back-to-back big victories over both the Kansas schools. And you're starting to say like, eh, it's Mike, it's Mike Gundy. He's cool. He's good. He's fine. He'll be <laughs> all right. right. <laughs> He'll figure it out. We, we were talking about this a little bit before, and it seems like, they were rotating backs or something like that. Like I don't know what the approach was, but they found the hot hand. They've they found the guy who far and away is the best of the bunch and is going to continue to produce. Their success is going to be contingent on continuing to get him the football. Because as you just said, there's one correlation that we can find from their poor games that they played at the start of the season and the recent spurt of success that they've had at the end of September in into the middle of October has has happened to have been, hey, let's give this Ollie Gordon kid some touches and keep giving him the football. It, it's it's a recipe for success, apparently. Yes, it, it is. It definitely is. I and mean, it's always a good thing for a football team to run the football. It helps with the physicality of your football team. It helps speed up the game in your favor and control the tempo of the game, too. So from a physicality standpoint, uh, for your team, because you're practicing it against that defense, right, for the physicality standpoint of it against the opponent, the patience of it, it takes pressure off the quarterback too. So there's just multiple reasons why continue to develop the run game, especially midway through the year. This is where you see the NFL teams start to do it. This is where you start to see college teams too really separate themselves as far as the physicality mm -hmm. standpoint in the trenches. So really important for, for Oklahoma State to continue to manage that going forward. And I don't think it's any surprise that Alan Bowman, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, has played better football the better that they're able right. to run the ball, to your point. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's complimentary football at its finest. I mean, this kid was struggling. He threw for 80 yards, 113, 42. He threw for 278 yards in their loss to Iowa State, but he only completed 48% of his passes. The last two games now, well over 50 against Kansas State in a victory, 235 yards. And this past week, it was his best week, 28 out of 41, 
68% clip, completion percentage, 336 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So, yes, ride Ollie Gordon, make him the focal point of the offense, and it will make the whole unit better. It's like the cog in the machine. Well, that's a great note to wrap us up on. Folks, if you enjoyed tuning in or if you have thoughts on either of the three of these guys, drop a comment below. Also, you can find us on Twitter, maybe tag us on Twitter, your thoughts on the show, at Joe DeLeon, at Sims Complete QB, at Rise and Draft. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Toodles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.